Nights. Dude. Our fucking week sucked this week. It really did. We were sick. We were Well, I I was sick. I got a fucking stomach virus somehow. At first I thought it was food poisoning cuz I ate something at work that I thought wasn't Sus- sitting sitting well with me. Suspicious vegan meat. Yeah. But I don't think it's that i don't really know if you can like i was like trying to think can you eat something bad that starts a stomach bug that gets spread to other people well maybe i mean i thought maybe that could be it but maybe i just i I don't know who i could have gotten it from but it just appeared in my body one day and then i brought it to the rest of my apartment (laughs) and we all had lots of vomit and diarrhea (laughs) and we have one bathroom yeah it was um it's been a not fun week in the in the villa in the villa (laughs) the villa (laughs) i was literally i was puking so much like uh, just water lots of water and then like it would then I was just dry heaving, and I would I was just screaming in between each burst of vomit. Stop puking, please, God! I was screaming to myself. And that was Wednesday, so two days later, Friday, I start to feel a little sicky in the morning, and I know immediately what's in store. <laughs> I was working, I work from home, I'm a video editor, um, and I was working, I have, like, so many videos to do for a client, um, so I just wanted to get ahead, so I just, like, powered through, I did, like, 12 videos, sat through, like, three meetings, and eventually, like, at the middle of the day, I just, like, uh, you know, threw up a lot, and then I worked a little bit more. I ate rice. Like, the difference between, like, me and Craig and this sickness thing is that I've always been, like, my mom would force me to, like, eat after I threw up. And, like, I feel like that's helpful because then I'm not just, like, throwing up, like, water or, like, dry (laughs) heaving. I'm, like, throwing up, like, you know, it makes it a little easier. (laughs) It makes it more pass through anyway i don't i disagree with that i don't know if other people experience this but like it's something i've always questioned about myself like when i puke and there's food in my puke the food like gets caught in my nasal passage (laughs) and like i have to like cough and shit to get like chunks of food out of my nose basically so i don't want any solid in my vomit I would prefer to just spew water out of my mouth, which was what I was doing. (laughs) This is fair. Um, You know, there's... If you're going to throw up... That might be a me problem. If you're going to throw up, there's plus and minuses to either situation. It's all shitty. And, yeah, basically felt like shit on Friday and then, like, improved. And then yesterday, 
<laughs> our roommate Jordan. <laughs> Shouts out to Jordan. Shouts out to Jordan. <laughs> Bless her heart, had to come home from work because she caught the bug. So. Yeah, and she had to grapple with my biggest fear, which is being on the subway and either having to shit or puke. I don't. I think that that like thought disturbs me deeply <laughs> to imagine having to do that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I would. I can't imagine, especially like to like each of us when we would have to go throw up. It was like a series of like at least eight heaves. So it would, and it was like. <laughs> Our listeners are going to fucking hate us, but it was literally projectile status. Like, it was not good. If you saw this on the train, like... Yeah, I don't... I, I think I thought about it, and I, honestly, I've been thinking about this ever since Jordan told me, and, like, so imagine you're on, like, a train, and I think it would be worse if there's less people... So imagine you're like, because right now during COVID, less people are on the trains. <laughs> so you're on, you get on the train. There's like three people in the train car. If I felt like I was gonna puke, I would like yell out a warning to them. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, I would be like, I'm about to puke. Yeah, I just like go <laughs> fucking spray it on the floor. <laughs> imagine, imagine. <laughs> Imagine you are one of the people who sees me do that. And you're just like getting home from work or something. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways. At least they clean it every yeah, night. Yeah, they do clean it. every. I think they clean it more often than every night. No, definitely not. I bet sometimes they're like, ah, this looks good enough. Like, knowing how... Even with COVID? <laughs> Dude, I bet they are overworked. Yeah. They probably enter a train, and if there's not, like, blood or vomit, they just, like, you're like, all right, next one. <laughs> they do the smell test. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then, luckily, our fourth roommate, Hannah, shouts to Hannah. Um, Shout out to Hannah, another fellow horror fan. Yes. We love watching movies with Hannah. Mm-hmm. She um, is moving the rest of her stuff from California this week, so she narrowly escaped the bug oh by the way uh this is the murders per gallon of popcorn podcast i'm your host Haley, and craig or we're your hosts i'm gonna do that again i'm your host Haley craig <laughs> i'm your host Haley and craig <laughs> <laughs> besides being sick um we did watch some Pretty good horror movies. Uh, we saw Blood Rage, which we're debating God. on. We're debating on either releasing as like a special Thanksgiving episode, or what we're leaning more towards is maybe after Friday the Thirteenth we do Blood Rage. Yeah, we really want to talk about Blood Rage because it's, it's so, so good. good. It's just one of those movies I've heard is good, so I like saw that it was streaming on Amazon. I think. And, um, I, like, had it in my watch list or whatever, and we were just, like, didn't, we weren't doing anything, and we didn't know what to watch, so I was just, like, clicked it, and it was so cool. It's, yeah. 
Um, I got a burp. We're very burpy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still recovering, I think. Um, I think it changed me forever. <laughs> like, there's, like, a time before and a time after, and I feel different now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, we also watched Your Next, um, which... Mm. I thought, okay, there, I don't mm. know what it is, but there's something about, like the 2010s horror that Boo. like shush <laughs> i mean it's not it was not it was dumb like but i felt very scared by it i don't know why but it was like very i it was super suspenseful um but you know i mean it's kind of a fun watch uh you know if you're into 2010s horror I, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. Yeah. I've seen, like, Your Next before. And it's okay. It's kind of a slasher. Like, you would think I would like it, but I don't know what it is about, like, 2010s aesthetics and shit. But the way they look and, like, the meta humor and constant like pop culture referencing there's like a bunch of scenes where she's like loading up discs into like a high-end cd player like a five disc cd player and i'm just like this is so stupid and <laughs> like everyone's like looks like an indie kid but that was just like how white people dressed in like 2010 yeah like, the like they they're wearing, all like, look so weird <laughs> they're wearing like sweaters and shit we also watched um, another movie this weekend that um, I feel like is pretty. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can hear that. <laughs> so we also watched um, the movie The Town That Dreaded Sundown over the weekend. And I'm glad we ended up watching that one because... Come to find out, the movie we'll be talking about on this episode, some fans speculate that was directly influenced by this, like, early slasher movie. Mm -hmm. So, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, it's a 1978 slasher movie, and it's, like, definitely pre, um, like the slasher craze where like there was a formula to slashers so it's kind of got a little bit of like texas chainsaw influence with it's like this is based on a true story mm -hmm. and there's like radio narration very prominent throughout the movie radio narration of like detailing the horrors yeah. that took place and shit um so there's that and then it's also like a mass killer so kind of like halloween and like Christmas. True. But the interesting thing about this killer is that he's wearing a burlap sack over his head with eye holes cut out for his eyes. And he plays the trombone, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. The best part of this movie is there's a fucking scene where um, he, the killer ties a girl to a tree 
and he <laughs> picks up a trombone and literally like plays it for us. He goes <laughs> like for two seconds <laughs> for like two seconds. Um, but then he like ties a knife on it and like stabs her with it. So. He fastens a knife to the end of the like. Are you trombone heads out there? What is it called? Like the piece that slides on a trombone. He fastens the uh, knife to the end of that. Yeah. And then slides it out and like stabs this woman repeatedly. Mm-hmm. It's like so ridiculous in a movie that otherwise is pretty like serious kind of. Like there's some weird like townsfolk <laughs> scenes where yeah. they're like acting strange and like corny. And there's, like, some banjo music. Oh, yeah. It takes place in Texas, I think. Mm-hmm. If you know that last episode we did Friday the 13th, the original from the series, 1980, and this movie, The Town the Dreaded Sundown, the killer in that movie has a burlap sack over his head. And there's another slasher movie where a killer has a burlap sack over his head. And that what? movie is Friday the, the 13th, 13th Part 2. two. When was it made? 1980? In 1981. One. A year after the first movie. Correct. It's um, pretty quick turnaround already yeah. on these movies. Production bag. Production bag. So, um, the director Steve Miner, um, he this was his directorial debut, and he also directed Part Three, House, Halloween H two O, Lake Placid, which. I have, like, a weird sensory memory with Lake Placid in that every time I would go to Blockbuster, I would see the um, cover art for it, and it was, like, a weird alligator, like, underneath a lake. But I've never seen it, but would be open to it. And I've never never heard of it. You've never heard of it? Oh. I thought it was, like, a popular movie, but maybe it was just, like, something I noticed. Anyways. Um... Day of the Dead, uh, the 2008 version. I didn't know if you knew that. Uh, well, so I know that Dawn of the Dead, the remake from like 2005, I believe, that is a good remake. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything oh, about. Of, yeah. I don't know yeah. anything about Day of the Dead, but I might have seen it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, we'll know. look into it. <laughs> Um, and then he also was the associate producer, assistant director, and unit production manager of Friday the 13th. Also, interesting thing that I'm uh, remembering is that, so he, this guy, Steve Miner, directed House, another horror movie, like a haunted house horror movie, with monsters and crazy special effects. That movie was produced by Sean Cunningham. Oh. I remember us looking that up. Mm-hmm. So, Sean Cunningham, who directed the first Friday the Thirteenth, went on. They flipped roles. <laughs> Steve Miner <laughs> became more of a director, and um, 
Sean Cunningham produced, so. So, should we talk about, I mean, let's just dive right in. Let's, let's dive deep into Friday the 13th, part two. We're gonna start by talking about, uh, the setting. So, it's still obviously at Crystal Lake, um, but it's at a neighboring camp. Um, and everybody knows about the events that happened at Camp Crystal Lake, and it's now abandoned. So let's go through our cast of teens. So we have Alice Hardy, who is our final girl from Friday the 13th. Paul Holt, who is the, he I guess he's a camp director, but Wikipedia said that he opened a school for camp counselors. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck is a school for camp counselors? Maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a pre-camp school. (laughs) Like, it's like not really a school, but it's like their month of training or something. Yeah. Their week of training to be camp counselors. Yeah. I know they're like. It's like Hogwarts. Yeah. (laughs) At my camp. (laughs) Um. (laughs) We have a program called, like, Staff and Training Program, but it seems like there will... From the Wikipedia description and from, like, the movie itself, it doesn't really feel like they're ever preparing for kids to be at this camp, for children to be at this camp. Yeah, I mean, like, some of these facts we're reading on, like, Wikipedia or whatever, like, that it's a school for camp counselors and shit... I don't know if it's ever said anywhere in the movie that that's the case, but, like, someone somewhere, or maybe in the screenplay, it said that. But, like, yeah, the whole movie, you're kind of just wondering, what the fuck is going... Where's the kids? Like, what? we're at camp. Where's the kid? Where's the kids that are at camp? It's just the, like, adults. Where's, like, what are they doing? There's, yeah. like... They're just moving shit around. It's like they pick shit up and, like, place it five feet to the left. <laughs> For, like, a month. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're just tinkering the whole movie. <laughs> All right. So then we have Sandra Dyer. She's underage, and the reason why half of the movie is cut. <laughs> <laughs> There's Jeff Doonesbury, who is... <laughs> Sandra's boyfriend. <laughs> he wears a funny hat. He does wear a funny hat. Like a, I don't know like if that's a, a beret, but maybe like a beret, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like remembering. I can picture it. Um, there's Scott Chaney, who like when I first saw him on screen, I was like, this actor is like one of the hottest people I've ever seen ever but it kind of turns out that he's like a huge perv so um that takes away we from said his that hotness. about both though the the girlfriend his oh, girlfriend too the, i would not call well, okay his like his the girl he interest. is like actively trying to get or yeah. whatever whose name is terry mccarthy <clears throat> um oh and she has a dog and i wrote down the dog's name later so we'll get into that later but she has a little doggy who's really cute um and then there's mark jarvis who is a nice guy who uses a wheelchair there's vicky perry who's <laughs> just like 
a nice girl who likes Mark. <laughs> There's Ted Bowen, who's like the jokester of the movie. There's Jenny Field, who's Paul's assistant, and she's a psych major, badass queen. There's assorted other unnamed teen counselors who don't matter. <laughs> uh, we get Crazy Ralph again. Welcome and, back. Um, a new cop. I thought it was the cop from before, but it's a different cop. Um, named Deputy Winslow. Such a cop name. Two months following the events of Friday the 13th, our final girl, Alice, from the previous film is chilling, like, trying to recover from the traumatic events of seeing all her friends get picked off one by one, <laughs> and then chopping off the head of an old but murderous woman. But when Alice opens the fridge to get her cat some food, she sees the severed head of Mrs. Voorhees and then gets stabbed through the temple by an unknown assailant. The biggest thought that I have right now is that, was that Pamela Voorhees' head? Because I don't think it was. It was. It it looked different in the movie, I felt like. Like, I, I don't know if it says it anywhere online, like, whose head it was, but it didn't look to me like Pamela Voorhees. And I also don't know why he would, like, disgrace her corpse by, like, m- putting it in the fridge and stuff. Because well... he has the altar. Yeah, that's true, but I do feel like maybe he was trying to be like, because obviously it's like a vengeance kill, so maybe he was like, remember what you did, bitch, like, look at who you Yeah, killed. yeah, yeah, that's you know? true. Maybe you're, yeah. It is a weird move, It for looks sure. di- different, for sure. Like, if you guys go and watch this movie, let us know what you think, but... Like, to me, it looked like a man's head, but maybe that's just a decaying corpse. That's true. Anyways, about the kill, like, it's kind of boring, but it does, it's referenced in Scream. I remember when we watched Scream most recently, Mm -hmm. they talk about how the girl from the previous movie is killed in the first five minutes. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was going to happen, and so it was kind of like, I feel like that was like... Being like, okay, like, I don't know, like, kind of killing off, like, the previous, like, notions of Friday the 13th, like, and just being like, we're starting fresh. Like, this is a new, new killer. Well, obviously, because there's a sequel and you're, like, in the movie seeing the sequel, you know, like, well, there's more to the story. Pamela Voorhees died in the last movie. That we just talked about. So, what makes this Friday the 13th Part 2? There's got to be someone killing. Yeah. And it's not necessarily revealed who this killer is. True. That early, is it? Like, is this post-campfire scene? This is the first scene, Yeah, no. It's not revealed who the killer is. But there's a recap, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there was, like, I think there was, like, a dream... There was a recap because it there was a kind of recap in um the form of like Alice was dreaming and I think she could see herself severing the head and stuff. Oh yeah, the slow mo. Mm-hmm. Also it's been a few weeks since we've seen this movie, so 
<laughs> we're a little rusty, but I think we're I think we're pretty good, but you know. Anyways. So, 5 years after that, we meet our cast of teens at a brand new school for camp counselors. <laughs> Please tell us what that means. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone has ever attended a school for camp counselors, please let us know. Later that night, they have a little bonfire where Paul tells us the legend of Jason Voorhees, a boy who drowned at Crystal Lake in 1957, prompting his mother to exact revenge on the counselors and commit another series of murders in 1979 to prevent the camp from being reopened. Until she is killed by the last survivor. However, Jason is rumored to have survived and is now living in the woods near Crystal Lake, killing anyone who comes across him to avenge his mother's death. Then, we have a jump scare of a man with a spear coming out of the woods. But it's just the camp jokester Ted, who looks exactly like my cousin Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... (laughs) Paul is like, Jason is dead, and the camp is closed and condemned, and yeah. So, I, for me, I thought that uh, Ted jumping out and, like, scaring everyone was, like, his death sentence, because I feel like the jokester always dies first, and, like, always gets, like, fucked up. So, what did you think about um, the campfire scene? I thought it was kind of cool, and I feel like it was, like, the start of something that obviously, like, kind of is carried on throughout the rest of the canon, where there's... Or, I actually feel... So, with all of these movies, like, in Friday the 13th, the first one, um, the truck driver, Anus... Enos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's the fuel, like, he's the vessel to tell the lore of this camp. And then, you know, Paul knows the lore of the camp. And now that, you know, there's been more killings and, like, a known killer, that lore is, like, everyone knows it. So, like, yeah. But the big mystery in Friday the 13th Part 2 is is Jason alive, basically. Because at the end of Friday the 13th, it's kind of like, you know... It's It's like up in the air. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you see the scene of Jason jumping out of the water, pulling Alice under on her canoe, and you're like, what the fuck? Jason's alive? (laughs) Or whatever. And then... No, it's a dream sequence. Or is it? It's like a ha-ha-ha JK and Les situation. (laughs) They're telling this story like it's just a, you know, like a campfire story. It's just some spooky tale to, like, get the kids scared or Mm -hmm. whatever while you're at camp. Like, you know, to creep out the kids, the younger kids or whatever. And therefore you, like, expect it to be... You know, like, there's myth here. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is that you quickly find out, and I mean, it's ironic because everyone watching the movie knows that, yeah, that's true. You're yeah. going to get murdered by this guy. But the characters, 
the think they're just like, hearing like <laughs> a scary story and they're yeah. like, oh, shut up, like stop mm-hmm. trying to scare us yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that um, they soon will become part of that lore. <laughs> All right, later that evening after the campfire, our boy, Crazy Ralph, wanders onto the property to warn the teens, because that went so well in the first movie. The killer takes a wire, and while Ralph is against the tree, he like strangles him with like a wire so it's pretty brutal damn (laughs) rest in peace crazy ralph another another kill that distanced itself from the first movie yeah fuck that's a crazy kill Mm -hmm. and (laughs) a a crazy kill for crazy ralph (laughs) 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 i feel like Whereas you could make some, like, you can make up an excuse as to why a character deserved to die. I feel like pretty often there's, like, some reason that they need to die. But honestly, Crazy Ralph, his whole character is just warning people not to go to Jason's house, basically. (laughs) Don't go where Jason is. Mm -hmm. So, like... Which is kind that's of what, what they he, want. That's what Jason wants. Yeah. Jason's Jason and Pamela were like, don't come back here. Don't open a camp. And he's like, evangel. He's like, he's spreading like the good word. Yeah. So why, like, that's, that's your boy, Jason. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't fucking strangulate your boy. Yeah, well... Crazy Ralph uh, dies. Rip. Hard rip for Crazy Ralph. I I can't remember in any of the movies we've seen, but I hope he's referenced again later. Or I hope, like, he comes into play. Yeah. I went Crazy he, Ralph yeah. in the lore. Yeah. I don't think, like, we've, we've dived deep enough on Crazy Ralph in this podcast. And now's he needs not his the own time. movie. Now's not the time, but we will one day, and maybe we'll see him in later installments. Maybe I sure hope so. Yeah, maybe he'll be in hell. Let's just say this isn't the last you've heard us talk about Crazy Ralph. Yeah, we might just re- we might just. I'm gonna bring it up. Fuck again. around and reference him in every <laughs> podcast. Yeah, Damn. my fucking notes are y'all. I forgot I took notes on this movie. It's like a haiku. <laughs> Look at how I wrote my notes. It's just words stacked on top of each other. There's no sentences. Can I read a few? Yeah, please. Re- I was going to because they're weird. I, I don't remember any. like Feet shot Jason theme. Nightmare with Pamela. Mom's head in fridge. Egg punk tall lanky kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. That <laughs> Wait. Mm-hmm. That's camp blood. <laughs> That's what crazy Ralph says, I swear to God. Probably. Popped collar walking around speaking to dog. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Happy sex scene. 
Oh yeah, I remember that one though. Uh, anyways. Why like why would I ever need to talk about any of the stuff I wrote down? Sometimes I feel like when we're when we were taking notes during the movie, I felt like we just really needed to like write down our like observations and stuff. Yeah, like qu- as quickly as possible. <clears throat> so so the following day, the couple Jeff and Sandra or Sandra, go to Camp Crystal Lake, and they find a dog carcass. Oh, wait. This is... Okay, I need to talk about this. So, like, randomly in the woods, Terry... Terry's dog, Muffin, (laughs) is... It's a really cute dog. I don't know what the breed is. I feel like it's a Maltese or something. Um, Is walking in the woods, and... It literally goes right up in between Jason's feet and, like, looks up, and then there's a cut. I only remember this because I looked back at my notes. There's a cut straight to someone chopping meat, and I'm like, (laughs) damn, that's, like, implied fucking brutality to Muffin. So (laughs) Muffin is presumed dead at that point in the movie. Defend Muffin. Um, so, but, and it's even more presumed when Jeff and Sandra discover a dog carcass, um, on Camp Blood, Camp Crystal Lake's property. So the couple is caught by Deputy Winslow, and he's basically like, get the fuck out of here. And then the couple leaves, but he sees a man with a burlap sack running across the road. So he chases after him, and he finds himself stumbling upon a shack in the woods. When he's inside, he, like, looks, and he's horrified by what he sees, but we don't see what he sees. And then the killer strikes him with the tail end of a hammer right in the head. God. That's that- always <laughs> been, like, one of my biggest fears, I feel like. Just having a the other end of a hammer stab into you. That's right on fucking the top, brutal. Right on the top of the head, too. Like- I'm pretty sure my dad one time... I think Todd told me about this. I don't remember it, but apparently there's a story of my dad, like, trying to pry nails out of something and, like, stabbing himself in the leg, like, in the calf with a other end of a hammer Ooh. or so- somewhere on his body. Ooh. Yeah. My dad's a fucking beast. <laughs> Shout out to Sammy. Later that evening, Paul offers a night out on the town. <laughs> Town. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. Fuck it. Night out on the town before all the camp counselors start training. So him, Ginny, and Ted, and a handful of not notable camp counselors leave, and Jeff, Sandra, Scott, Terry, Mark, and Vicky stay behind. At the bar, our girl Ginny starts going into a philosophical thought about Jason, <laughs> musing that if Jason were still alive and had witnessed his mother's death, it may have left him with no distinction between life and death, or right or wrong. And Paul is just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, at this point, 
I'm already like in love with Jenny. I'm like Jenny, you're you're obviously the final girl. Yeah. Like, Without a that's doubt. That's just what I thought watching the movie. I'm like this chick is definitely gonna she's like psychoanalyzing Jason at the bar. Like Yeah. You know, like it's sick. She's she's honestly so like you know. Shouts to Alice, but she is she has a great personality. She's funny. She like I don't know. What's cool about her too is that she's not necessarily like of she's not like presumed like a little like virginal like innocent person because her and Paul like are, like, a thing. Like, they, like, hook up, you know? So... Jenny seems like... I don't know. She shows up to the camp late. Like, she's late to the camp school. Like, shows up in her car. Everyone's already ready and, like, learning about camp or whatever they're (laughs) doing. Their class is in session. And Jenny pulls up and kind of embarrasses Paul and Paul's like where were you or whatever like mumbles to her in front of everyone at that point you're like there's obviously something this character is significant that they were given this like whole scene about this character trait of them showing up late and shit Mm. and her car and she talks about how like I think Paul is like yeah, they don't teach you that at, like, psych major university or whatever. He, like, mentions that she's, like, a psych major, too. So they're, like, giving this girl, like, a full... Uh, they're equipping her with a full personality to set her up to, like, face off against the final, the foe. So... And I, I honestly relate to Ginny. Maybe that's why I like <laughs> Maybe Craig is the final girl in thirteenth <laughs> part two. I feel like people, her fellow counselors, think she's just like fucking up or like a slacker or something. Mm-hmm. But she's like really like thinking about what's going on mm-hmm. critically. Like she's a five enneagram for sure. I feel like she's <laughs> thinking a lot about everything. Yeah. Jenny's our queen. Back at camp, Terry goes skinny dipping, and Scott is, like, watching her creepily, and she's like, don't fucking watch me. (laughs) And he's so pervy. So he just walks away in the woods, and he gets caught in a rope trap, so he's hanging upside down, and then the killer comes in, with a machete and slices his throat. Pretty iconic um, Jason kill, I mm-hmm. feel like. Just the using a machete. Yeah. And it's like using this, like, I don't the survivalist, like, rope tying yeah. trap setting type vibe. That's, mm-hmm. like, such a Jason thing yeah. to do. Like, He's a he's been living in the woods. Yeah, it's like part of his mythology mm-hmm. is that he's like been just surviving in the woods off of whatever he can. Like he's just like hunting and catching animals, like stealing where he can and like 
he's like crafted this shed in the woods mm-hmm. so it's cool when he's like acting like he's hunting these yeah. people or something like it's not a motivated serial killer yeah. in this movie. It's like, this guy's just hunting these people because yeah. they're on... I mean, the motive is they're on his land, yeah. basically. Yeah. Jason's like, get off my fucking lake. <laughs> he just wants people off his property. Yeah. <laughs> so, Terry stumbles upon his dead body and screams, and then she's, you know, killed off screen. Vicky and Mark start flirting and i think vicky goes inside but mark is like i'll meet you there he because they're gonna like hook up or something and then on while he's on the porch our boy mark gets a machete slammed into his face God damn. and in his wheelchair gets rolled back and then we see him fall down like an entire flight of stairs like, a never-ending flight of stairs that seem to come out of nowhere. So, this kill is extreme. Like, you see his fucking... The effects are crazy. You see his face with a machete in it. And, he like, it's, like, on screen for, like, a few seconds. So, you fully register, like, what's going on. And it's it's just sad because he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. He <laughs> didn't deserve that. So, I just remember us, like, playing this scene back, like, four times and laughing at the absurdity of the amount of stairs that he falls. Yeah. Like, it's like you see him sitting at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like, rain is crashing down, I think. And you just know, like, this guy's about to die because it's just like set up for that he's alone he's like there's a shot of him from behind he's like above the Mm -hmm. stairs this Mm -hmm. is like a pov shot of jason approaching him basically and then he gets hit in the face brutally with this machete and you're like fuck that's how he killed him that could just be it (laughs) but no he's like rolls backwards and all the way down this huge flight of stairs and he's just like bouncing down the fucking stairs. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so gnarly. It's tough stuff. Tough stuff for Mark. So there's like a scene where they're playing cards or something like people are pairing up to go have sex. Yeah. And Mark is like playing cards with um, Vicky. Vicky. And Vicky just keeps making these, like, sexual innuendo jokes, mm-hmm. like, so obviously while they're playing cards. It, like, I can't, I don't know them specifically, but he's, like, talking about himself, how he ended up in a wheelchair. So, the biography of Mark. Mark was an athlete, however, a motorcycle accident had caused bilateral damage to his legs. Mm. Doctor said he would need a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So, he's, like, telling her all this stuff about himself. I remember She's asking, and he's like, I was a football player, and then I, like, got into this, like, motorcycle accident, and I couldn't move my legs anymore. Yeah. Paralyzed. And she's like, damn, that sucks. Anyways, you want to go have sex? 
But why does Mark go out to the stairs again? He, I think he's just like, literally just about like, I think Vicky goes in and she's like gonna get ready. She does go get ready. She's going, re- getting ready to have sex with Mark because, as we'll talk about later, she's like pulling out the brown underwear and shit. Oh, so yeah. Vicky's like going inside to go get ready, and Mark is just like sitting on the porch, just like chilling, like literally about to follow her in. And then Jason comes and uh, brutally. <laughs> stabs his face with a machete and lets him fall backwards on 20 flights of stairs. The killer moves inside the house and upstairs, and um, Jeff and Sandra have just had sex. Um, Jeff is on top of Sandra, (laughs) like literally planking on top of Sandra, smiling like a dope. And just like, <laughs> and Sandra sees the killer and she goes, <gasps> and then they are impaled by a giant spear. Yeah. Yeah. So. Shish kebab. Just so you guys know, all of the Friday the 13th movies we're going to be reviewing are uncut. Yeah. Because we have this like blu-ray box Mm. set so scream factory i don't know if you like if you watch a random stream of this movie if it's gonna be the uncut version that we watched or if it's gonna be like heavily edited but apparently this movie had previously been heavily edited yeah um and a big reason was that the actress that played Sandra um, was 17 when this movie was shot. So, obviously, a lot of things had to be cut because she was a minor when this film was shot. Which, I don't really understand why they let a 17-year-old play. Like, I don't know. That's kind of a weird choice. But maybe she lied about her age. So Vicky is, um, you know, getting ready to fuck Mark, um, and she pulls out some sexy brown underwear, and she yeah, like what dope. a fucking weird color for your like. Maybe they did that on purpose to be like this chick does not know <laughs> like <laughs> how to be sexy you know what she does too that i'm just remembering is that she actually goes outside in, in her underwear, underwear and she's like digging through the car, car. for something um and we th- we see a pov shot from behind and she's just like like her butt like with the fucking it looks like jason's about to like grab her booty <laughs> Like, Jason's gonna, like, take a cop a feel. Like, what the fuck? And then, like, you know. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But it's like a POV shot approaching her butt. Like, Mm -hmm. it's zooming in on her butt. Like, Jason's about to, like, grab her butt. So that was just a prime example of the male gaze. (laughs) (laughs) So... When Vicky goes back inside, um, unfortunately, she discovers um, the body of Jeff 
is like hanging on like a towel rod or something. And she, like, sees that, and she's like, holy fuck. And then she, like, I think she checks, and she sees that Sandra's dead, too. And then she sees, like, I think Jason pops, like, right after she looks in the room and discovers the bodies. And she kind of, like, is like, no, no, don't kill me, please. And then um, she gets stabbed in the stomach. Sad stuff. For Vicky. I don't know. This one's boring. Like, as far as I can remember. Not as notable. Yeah. But, like, we just had two really good ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, this movie has more iconic kills, I would say, than the first one. Yeah. Like, just thinking about the spear and the wheelchair, that's enough. Like, those are fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the machete... To the neck was pretty good. Yeah, like slicing his neck. Like, Ginny and Paul are like, okay, do y'all want to leave the bar? And all of the counselors that are there are like, no. And so, (laughs) Ted, who looks like my cousin, um, and is the jokester, who I thought was for sure gonna die is officially marked safe because he stays at the bar. So basically, if you ever have a friend that, like, wants to, like, drag your ass home early because they're, like, tired or whatever, (laughs) this is your sign. I mean, obviously, post-COVID times. This is your sign that you are allowed to stay and party until the bar physically throws you out. Because it could save your life. Shit. I would have been home by, like, 11 p.m. Well, then... I would have died, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm not staying at the bar that late. Yeah. Or I guess you would be, like, Ginny and be the final girl. I'm Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ginny and Paul come back to the camp, and it's, like, fucked up. And then, suddenly... Baghead Jason ambushes Paul and chases Ginny. I think he, like, knocks Paul out and chases Ginny throughout the camp. And then she comes across the shack where she (laughs) finds an altar with Pamela Voorhees' severed head, her fucking powder blue sweater, the iconic sweater, and a pile of dead bodies, including Terry and um, Officer Winslow, or Deputy Winslow, what the fuck ever. So, obviously, that is a shocking find for our girl Ginny. So, but There's so much to unpack. I know, there's so much, but when she realizes... She sees this and she's like, I fucking knew it because she's a fucking genius bitch. And she's like, this is Jason. Our queen puts on Pamela's sweater and she convinces Jason that she is his mother to distract him long enough to where Paul goes through the shack and attacks Jason just as 
Jason discovers that Ginny is tricking him. But since Jason is like a giant, he overwhelms Paul and the struggle continues. Ginny slams a machete onto Jason's shoulder and it seemingly kills him. So Paul and Ginny return to the cabin and then they hear a rustling outside. It's Muffin! (laughs) So Muffin is officially marked safe from Jason. Muffin did not die. Muffin is alive and she is thriving. Just as they sigh with relief, an unmasked Jason, half fucked up, half kind of hot... (laughs) bursts through the window from behind and grabs Ginny. She then awakens to being loaded into an ambulance. She calls out for Paul, who is nowhere to be seen, leaving his fate ambiguous. Back in the shack, Pamela Voorhees' head remains on the altar with Jason nowhere to be found. Yeah, I want to start by talking about Jenny and Paul finding Jason's shack because this is like one of the only times I can think of in the series where you get to see like where Jason lives like Mm -hmm. you get a peek like to peek inside what Jason's life might be like through this like set so there's a toilet like they sh- they pan over a toilet <laughs> where Jason takes his <laughs> massive <bad> dumps. <laughs> Jason takes massive dumps in this toilet. I don't know if there if this toilet works like does he like it's a Wait. normal porcelain fucking throne. Like does he flush the toilet and there's a whole plumbing system that he set up himself? First off like it's not... He could be, like, undead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like... It seems so... Okay. Like, he he could... It doesn't make sense that he would have drowned and then, like, been underwater for 22 years mm-hmm. and then come back. Yeah. So, but maybe that vision wasn't reality yeah. from the first movie. Yeah. There's a lot. It's so. It's so a lot. Jason may or may not be undead. Yeah. But I'm gonna go with he's not mm-hmm. because he when they show his face, which we went over, glazed over. <laughs> when they show his face, he definitely looks like an adult version of the character design you see in the first movie. What? Like, he's got the bald spot, the deformed head, and yeah. he's, like... but he has very long hair. Yeah, like, but he's the adult version, yeah. you know? Like, that was the kid version, I think. Uh, yeah, that's like, fair. That's fair. This is, like, he's been living in the woods for a while. Yeah. So, he looks human. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're basically, like... So, Pamela Voorhees just thought that Jason drowned. Mm-hmm. But... He didn't actually drown. He escaped. And then instead of going back to his mom, he decided to just live in the... Kick yeah. It in, kick it in the this woods is, in know, earshot. 
while his mom kills everyone or kills two counselors or whatever. It's confusing as all hell. <laughs> I am very impressed by Jenny's quick thinking. She literally is like, she already knows Jason's motive, like who Jason would listen to. And he, she knows that he's just kind of like, I mean, he is wearing a bag that literally has like one eye hole. <laughs> and I guess maybe he's just like that disconnected from reality that even though he knows that his mother is dead, that there would be a chance that his mother would be alive. I don't know. It's very weird. But basically she puts on... Pamela's sweater and is just kind of like talking to him and while she's talking to him we actually see like the actress that plays Pamela's like face like over Ginny's face like it's like superimposed in like film like talking to Jason so we hear we see her face and voice so it's like we're seeing like a POV of Jason, like, seeing his mom for the first time in years, and, you know, she just, I think that it's very, like, smart of her to, like, know to do that. I'm not really sure. I think she had a weapon, just in, like, I think her plan was to, like, get him, like, close and calm so that she could just like stab him and run away but he actually noticed Pamela's head on the altar so that kind of like yeah. snapped him back to reality but luckily Paul Paul after being knocked out by Jason like it's kind of like I mean just like in the first movie where there's like there was, like, so many, like, kind of, like, fake-outs with, like, Alice thought she, like, knocked out Pamela, but then, like, Pamela was chasing her again, or, like, Alice thought she, like, trapped her under, like, a bunch of things, and then she, like, came out again. It's, like, the same thing, but I guess reversed. But we do get, like, a twist because every slasher trope, especially a franchise... One, there's always, like, the killer never dies. Like, the villain doesn't die because that paves the way for the next chapter. So it's, like, I mean, with the first movie, that was, like, a dream. Or you could interpret it as Jason's still alive. The second movie, like, he... She chops, she chops into, like, his arm, too, which would not kill someone. So, I'm a little disappointed with Ginny. I wish she kind of... Really, though? Why wouldn't she just... No, but, like... Chop off his head, too? In general, you're disappointed with no, Ginny? No, 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 no. I'm not j disappointed in general with Ginny. I'm disappointed in that choice with Ginny. But I guess, I mean... Again, like, I'm speaking as someone that would be dead within the first, like, 30 minutes of the film, <laughs> so I can't really, like, fucking talk that that much, but, like, as a viewer, like, it's easy to be frustrated when you see someone 
hit someone in the arm with a machete and then be like, they're dead now. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that would down you. If you were a normal man and not a fucking, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, if drowning The amount of abuse that, like, mm-hmm. Jason takes, even in this movie, it already seems like... He, yeah. It's, like, pretty surprising that he keeps going. But, um, Jenny, I I think it's just so crazy that Jenny's, like, leaps in, like, logic. Like, she's just at the bar thinking about Jason having no, doesn't know that everyone's dead. Doesn't know that Jason's mm-hmm. back. She's just thinking about Jason. Yeah. There's no reason for her to be thinking about Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she expends some thought, you know, on what Jason's dynamic is like with his mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then goes back to find that, like, everyone's dead. Jason's real. Like, sees Pamela Voorhees' head, realizes, like, Jason is killing as revenge for his mother's death, and it's all he cares about, and he's still, like, basically a young boy in an adult's body. yeah. Yeah. She's, like, realizing all of this in an instance. Puts on the sweater, jumps in, like, immediately acting. How do I act like Pamela? Mm-hmm. He, like, yeah. <laughs> tell, J- be sweet, but, like, tell Jason what to do. Because yeah. I'm his mom and he has to listen to me. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So yeah. she, like, tries to tell him, like, put the knife down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, stop. Yeah. What are you doing? And it's like... Damn, Jenny, <laughs> like, that's, I'm like, holy fuck, I know you're just, like, a plot device for the writers, but, that's like, queen shit. you're fucking, like, a genius. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sick, honestly, and I think, like, the, moving on from our queen, Jenny, like, <laughs> well, not even moving on from our queen, Jenny, because I'm still even talking about her, but, like, the final jump scare is, I mean, uh, that also becomes a sort of like oh, a motif yeah. for Through all the of window. yeah, all of the thirteenth movies. I think I pretty much know from what we've seen. All of the thirteenth movies have that sort of like. When you think it's, like, calm and quiet and all has been resolved, one last monster or jump or, like, yeah. So, is gonna grab, literally, physically grab the final girl or the final boy and, you know, scare the shit out of the audience. So, in the first movie, it was the... Bought, like it was like Jason's 
12-year-old drowned, like, fucked-up-looking body grabbing Alice and dragging her into the water from the canoe. And in this one, it's Jason's adult giant body. Lumber-sexual body. He is like, okay, yes. Lumber-sexual. Yes. Totally. He grabbing, unmasked, grabbing (laughs) Ginny through the window and it's actually interesting because we watched a little like I think we watched on the Scream Factory DVD it has a bunch of extra stuff and we watched like an interview with um, the actor that played Jason and I think he initially auditioned for like one of like the hot teens that gets like killed but they're like what about if you play Jason he was like oh okay all right and he just, like, seems like a normal, like, handsome actor. But the actress was talking about, like, the actress that plays Ginny was talking about um, shooting that scene and how she was, like, legit, like, scared as fuck because she didn't know when he was gonna jump out. I think the first time... She actually didn't know. Like, they didn't tell her that that was going to happen. They were just, like, talking about how traumatic the experience of filming this final Mm -hmm. scene was. Like, having the guy jump through the glass, like, break the window. It shatters. There's everyone screaming and being, like, on extreme high intensity. Like... I can see how that would be stressful. And then she was like, yep. And then we had to do it again. Also, another fun fact in the scene where she hits him with the machete, apparently she broke his uh, pinky. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Really cool. I know, like, fans of the series are big on Jenny. They think Jenny's like... I mean, a lot of people think she's one of the best final girls and I think it's just because she, like we said, she just, like, is a genius. She's, yeah. like... <laughs> she understands the killer, like, and uses that understanding to, like, fucking fight against him. It's it's cool. I but like, also I she's like relatable. It. Yeah. Because I feel like she's not perfect. Yeah. Or, like... It's not like she's yeah. too perfect to mm-hmm. where you just see her, like, as not a fully developed character. Mm-hmm. Like, she does have, like, flaws and faults. Yeah. That, like, hitting the arm or, like, mm-hmm. being late mm-hmm. that make her somewhat relatable. Yeah. Like, Definitely. Um, you want to talk about Baghead Jason? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is Baghead Jason so... I think Baghead Jason, honestly, it's a to... It's obvious that this movie was inspired by the town that dreaded sundown in terms of, like, how the killer looks. I think, though, that Jason, with the one eye... I think, though, that Jason with the one eye hole in the burlap sack, like, head-covering mask thing is cooler looking than the town that dreaded Sundown Killer. Yeah. 
and also like just his general like physique and like mm-hmm. the way he walks like the character yeah is cooler yeah than the town that dreaded sundown whereas that character is more just like seems like a skinny dude mm-hmm. wearing a burlap sack mm-hmm. this jason is still like big and intimidating mm-hmm. yeah um, um, but yeah, like it's creepy. It's like, why is he covering his head? It's almost like he just is only covering his head out of shame or something. Yeah. Like, it's just like a necessity. He's just mm-hmm. got to cover this like disfigured face yeah. that he has or something. Which he does like through the rest of the movies. Jason's always hiding behind a mask. Yeah, but you do... I would say you see his face... In... Yeah. I mean, like, pretty often. Yeah. Like, uncovered. Yeah. It's interesting that he has the need to cover his face. Yeah, like, why does Jason even feel the need to cover his face? Yeah. I personally think that he was bullied as a child. Yeah. And they kind of... They... Reference that. Well, I mean, they yeah. say that he was neglected. I don't know if it was necessarily but, like yeah. that they drowned him, but mm-hmm. I always assume they neglected him. They were off doing other things when they should have been watching him more closely. Mm-hmm. That's what. I mean, I think that's true, but it's disputed. It could yeah. be that the counselors were drowning Jason, like physically. Damn. I don't know. That's that's an interesting thought. I feel like he's a child. I feel like yeah. they're trying to reiterate that he is a brute, but like a child. Mm-hmm. Like, he's this, like, killing monster, but he can still be, like, swayed by his mommy. And, yeah. like, he's... Yeah. Has, like... He's very sensitive to people, like, implying he's fucked up, dumb, fucked or, up, yeah. or, I don't know, yeah. fucking, like, that's the vibe I've always gotten yeah. from Jason. I feel that. And I feel like that's because some of this shit that you see in this movie, maybe, yeah. like, the way Jimmy talks to him. Mm-hmm. About his mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's a mama's boy. <laughs> He's like the definition of a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about in Friday the 13th review or mm-hmm. episode. That, you know, it's not Jason. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, wah, wah, it's not Jason. It's yeah. Pamela mm-hmm. is the killer. Jason's mm-hmm. not in it. So that's kind of like, okay, but where's Jason? Or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like this movie, you're like, yeah, like, it's Friday the 13th Part 2. There's Jason, but <laughs> he's not wearing the hockey mask. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, I want Jason in a hockey mask. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you're saying 1 and 2? There's not Jason with the hockey mask? Yeah. Or whatever. We I are saying that, <laughs> listeners, so if you want Jason in a hockey mask killing teens, this is not the movie for you. Also, there's no boobs in this movie. That's not true. 
There's no boobs. That's not true. There are boobs. It's when um Terry the hot one with the Terry butt shot goes skinny dipping by herself in the lake and oh. then uh the douchebag sneaks up and steals her clothes. The podcast is called Murders per Gallon of Popcorn. So we would be absolutely incorrect if we did not talk about the murders. We would be remiss. We would be remiss. I'm trying to say something different than remiss every episode, but maybe I'll just say remiss. So... There's nine, maybe ten total. So we have Alice getting stabbed in the head with an ice pick. We have Crazy Ralph being strangled from behind a tree with a wire. We have Deputy Winslow being bludgeoned by a ha- by the tail end of a hammer in his head. We have Scott being having a throat slit with a machete. Terry um, dies off screen. We see her body just like at the altar um, in the shrine in Jason's shack. Mark um, is the one that gets the machete in the head and rolls down 1,000 flights of stairs. Sandra and Jeff get impaled by a giant spear. Vicky gets stabbed in the stomach. And Paul might have died, but we don't know. So. Paul definitely died. Yeah? Right? Well, what happens is, like, Paul and Ginny are, like, the final two, and they're in the cabin, and Jason jumps through, and then it cuts to Ginny being carried away in an ambulance. So, I feel like he probably died if he's not being carried away in an ambulance, too. But, who knows? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's been too long to remember. No, like, he doesn't, like, they don't show anything about him getting attacked. That's so weird. Yeah. What was was your favorite kill? I think it's gotta be Sandra and Jeff honestly yeah and i think like i mean just the fact that two people were killed at once Mm. in one stroke he just killed this couple by shish kebabbing them he stabbed Mm. an arrow through them while they were fucking no they were post-coitus they were cuddling are you sure yeah remember mark or not mark um jeff is laying on top of Sandra and he's literally like hmm like I thought that was just like they were just having really slow sex no I think it was like (laughs) oh well maybe I'm wrong I mean that's what I assumed I thought this was post coitus and they were just like weirdly cuddling but I guess that would make more sense it's not really like yeah, I think you just have a different reading of the scene. Yeah, I think so too. Me, we're both right. It's just the interpretation. I thought he was just happy because he was in like bliss or something. Yeah, 
mean, it could it be. It is a but... funny shot, though, when he's smiling while mm. they're lying on top of each other. Yeah, it's his smile is so cheesy. It's like, it's kind of cute. But I do like when, like, you see, like, Sandra, like, sees Jason approaching with the spear. So she knows what's going on. So, you know, you gotta... Good for Jeff. He died at least not knowing what was about to happen to him. Um, I like that one. And, of course, Mark. Yeah. And those are back-to-back. I almost think of them the same because mm-hmm. it's just like mark and then them yeah um my favorite kill was definitely mark um just so brutal so weird like so fucking extra um and i just think that it's just like interesting because i feel like mark did not do i mean no, like, when we say did not do anything to deserve to die, we're talking strictly in, like, horror movie tropes or whatever. Like, not necessarily that, like, people deserve to die, whatever. I think that's yeah. pretty clear. But, like, he didn't really d- n- do anything. So, it was just, like, a bizarre death. Um, But also super gory and just, like, the machete being stuck in his head. And, yeah. Just wild. Um, and then I would say um, just for, just conceptually, I would say that my second favorite killing was um, the killing of Alice because I didn't see it coming. And I think that it's very interesting that the first thing that the sequel of the movie of the movie Friday the 13th does is kill off it Friday the 13th's final girl. What is he kills her with a screwdriver or something? Mm -hmm. Or is it a knife? I think it's a, um, ice pick. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. From the freezer or something. Yeah. And we see like the profile of her head, like screaming while he's like grabbing her and like stabbing her the side of her head with an ice pick. What, so we talked about what we were going to rate this movie out of. And I think, do you want to rate it out of 13.2? Yeah, let's do 13.2. Okay. And we're, um, we're doing burlap sacks. Okay. So I... I'm gonna be honest right here, listeners and Craig. <laughs> not my fave Friday the thirteenth movie that I've seen. Might be possibly my least favorite Friday no. the thirteenth movie I've seen. Just my personal opinion, still a great movie, but you know. So I would say out of 13.2 burlap sacks, um, the point two being like an eye hole, <laughs> <laughs> I would give it 7.3 eye holes. 
out of 13.2. Damn. Because. Well, that's still pretty good, It's still pretty good. I just feel like, I don't know. I think it's kind of. So you do like it. I do like it. I liked it a lot. I do. I just think like I'm doing the thing where I'm just like comparing it to the ones that I've seen that are great, mm-hmm. that are very like much like teens, like <laughs> fucking, fu- like you know, Jason hockey mask, crazy creative kills, and I think like. This one definitely has a lot of merit, but I don't know. I'm just, it's just not, it's just not my fave. I mean, valid, (laughs) totally valid. I can get that. But for me, this is like, this is a 12.9 maybe. (laughs) What's the point nine? What does the point nine represent? Like how many eye holes are we talking (laughs) It's definitely, like, once again, it's not my favorite Friday the 13th movie. I said the first one wasn't my favorite. This isn't my favorite either. But I gotta say, I like this one more than the first one. I think the, like, teens, Mm. the counselor, trainees. Yeah. They're all cool. Like, I, I like all of them. I like Mark. I like Mark's love interest of... What's her name? Vicky? Vicky. Is that her name? Yeah. It's Vicky. I like Vicky. Their interaction is funny. I like the, like, goofball Ned or whatever. Ted? Yeah. Um. I don't know. Yeah, Scratch the characters me are... listing them all, but, like, Jenny is my favorite final girl, maybe. I haven't seen every Friday the 13th movie, but Jenny is fucking cool. Like, iconic character. And just the fact that she dons the Pamela Voorhees sweater. Mm -hmm. Like, I love all that. I love the fucking, like, Jason Shack. The burlap sack is not, uh, like... Is not my favorite Jason look, at by any means. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the hockey mask look. But, it's still interesting. Like it's cool. I like it better than Pamela. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the killer I don't like as much. But there's so many other aspects of the movie that I'm into. Mm-hmm. And the kills, like the Mark kill and the. Sandra and Jeff kill. Mm-hmm. Those are so good. Yeah. I do really like the characters. Like, I like that it sets yeah. up Jason, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it seems like the true first Friday the 13th in a way. Because it's yeah. like, Jason. It's yeah. like, this is the Jason one. Mm-hmm. Start from here. <laughs> like but the no, first one start from the first the first one's a prequel yeah <laughs> to no. the jason show the jason show no pamela i love pamela Voorhees as a killer but like i there's just jason has more history jason's got my love yeah i mean jason has got more movies 
Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I do remember, like, I mean, I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves and not really talking about part two right now, but I remember watching Freddy vs. Jason, like, forever ago, and I think Pamela makes an appearance there. I've, I've never seen it. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I cannot wait till we get to the, the like, crazy later movies, because they are so weird. I'm, I'm so ready for it, because yeah. I haven't seen, I have not seen Jason Goes to Hell, I haven't seen Jason X, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Freddy vs. Jason, and up until very recently, I hadn't seen the remake either. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, come to think of it, I haven't seen seven either the new blood is it it's the new blood right yeah new blood because before that there's a new beginning that's Mm, five mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of fucking friday the 13th and they're all sick they're all uh, all sick in their own right i think my hang up besides like besides what I discussed earlier is that the plot is kind of, it moves very, it was like a quick movie. It it felt like it, Mm -hmm. it felt really fast and a little rushed, but (coughs) the characters I felt, even though it was like weirdly fast, like the characters, you felt more connected to them than the first one, I feel like. Which, honestly, like, now that I'm also thinking about the rest of the Friday the 13th movies, I feel like all of them kind of, like, dive a little bit deeper on the characters than the first one did. Yeah, like, the... The the characters as in the campers slash camp counselors or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I would say... In the first movie, they're just so forgettable. Yeah. It's just like, I even now, we just talked about it. I can barely remember notable Mm -hmm. traits about any of the characters. They're just like people to get killed. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. But it's funny when the movies have, like, give the little characters, the characters, like, their own little backstory. And you can kind of, it gives you something Mm -hmm. to chew on. Like, it's like, Okay, these characters at least like you know, you can think about them yeah. a little bit like And then it kind of makes their kills that much more like dramatically impacting to you because you're like you're like weirdly connected to the characters. It's yeah, kind it, of do- like it doesn't a take much. It doesn't take much, honestly. It's pretty amazing like how little information you have to give about a character to make them like more relatable or likable Mm -hmm. to the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, just the fact that you get some of Mark's backstory. Yeah. And he's not just, like, a guy in a wheelchair that gets killed. Yeah. Like, that's all I really need to... It's just know that he... There's depth to the character. We very much recommend this movie. And, you know, that's... That's it. That's Friday the 13th Part 2. Any last words, Craig? Definitely watch the movie, and uh, of course, next episode we're going to be doing Friday the 13th, part 3, 3D, but we've never seen the 3D version. Yeah, if anyone has 3D glasses, 
and the old 3D DVD or whatever. Let us know. <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to be doing Friday the 13th 3. And that means a hockey mask, Jason. We're getting into hockey mask oh, territory. Hockey mask season. <laughs> Skeezing. <laughs> so... We're going to do that one, and then I think we're going to take a break and review a movie out of this franchise and then get back into it. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, so until then, this was Murders Per per Gallon gallon of Popcorn. popcorn. This is Haley. And Craig. Bye.